story is titled Heroin Enablers. I want to start off by thanking Zach because when I came home from school one summer, he brought uh, brought me to our local soccer field to kick around one night. He had played with co-workers occasionally and the lights were easily accessible so we could play whenever we wanted. This started an amazing tradition. For the next few summers, the two of us, along with our small group of friends, would go down to the fields after work and kick around deep into the night. As the tradition grew, we were often able to put together full-on games. We had 7v7s, even sometimes had 11v11s. The games brought together different friend groups, produced unforgettable memories, some of which I'm sure will be referenced on this segment in the future. Unfortunately, though, all good things come to an end. Barnegat Township soon locked up access to the lights and tied up the goals when the season was over, preventing any sort of use outside of the township's games. Now, there was nothing harmful about what we were doing when we played, but when you, and so when you take away avenues for young kids, young adults to play a sport that they love, you enable other activity that is more harmful to them and the township. Now, I don't have any statistics to support my claim, but damn it, let the kids play. I love the fact that you have no statistics to back it up, but I am in full agreement with you there. Um, it also reminds me of something that the township did a while back. They're, they had issues with a small group of kids at the skate park in the township as well. So they just closed the skate park and tore it down. Um, and then a few years later, they, they've since rebuilt it. And not nearly as many people, not nearly as many kids go there as uh, when they did before. But it's it's one of those situations where it, it doesn't make any sense. Like um, the the fields have a sign that say uh, no use without permit, which um, it's taxpayer dollars going towards this field. So anyone should be able to use it. Now, if you want me to have to prove that I live in Barnegat, I'll do that. I can prove that, but that still shouldn't be a requirement. Um, and, you know, one of the things that w- when we played, we sometimes move goals um, depending on how big, like you mentioned, There's we had some 7v7s, we have some 11v11s. So if we're playing with uh, smaller teams, we're going to move the goals in a little bit. Most of the times we moved them back. If not, they had to get moved back. Um, the groups that we played with, we always made sure to clean up our trash so that that they never had a reason to tell us that we couldn't play there. Um, but, you know, it started when we first started playing that you would see the cops drive in at night just to see why the lights were on, wave, and they go. Um, and then they started to lock up the gate. Then we started to climb over the fence. Um, then they decided to stop us from doing that by putting a roof over that fence. So then we actually had to climb under, which was a lot more difficult. Um, so you had whoever the smallest person there was uh, had the, the honors of crawling under the fence while several people pulled it up. Um, but at that point, once the lights go on, it, you can see those lights from miles away in the town. Um, the cops are going to show up because they know that these new rules have been put in place. But, you know, it's it's not to say that uh, the Ocean County, New Jersey heroin epidemic is caused by uh, a gate around lights at a soccer field. But it if there's no issues... Why why did they end up locking up these gates and uh, making it so that we needed a permit to play on the field? Yeah, I mean, like, when there's when there's less things 
activities that just aren't going to be as safe and, you know, sound as just playing soccer or like going to a skate park. You know what I mean? Like when you close out, when you close down these different uh, things, you take them away, there's less of like legal things for, for kids to do. Yeah. And um, you kind of kill two birds with one stone, not only uh, keeping kids out of trouble by going and playing some soccer, but you also keep kids active and you, you know, keep people in good shape. Um, and we, we know that that can be an issue because honestly, uh, I'm not going to blame my, uh, my recent dad bod struggles completely on this, but I was in much better shape when we were allowed to play. Um, but you have to applaud people like, uh, Kyle Martino who started street soccer USA, um, putting up, uh, you know, little courts in, in big cities f- so that kids can uh, always have a place to play and that they, so that the game can grow in this country as it has uh, in recent years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to... I don't want to have a second delusion. I know you are, you're tipped with the delusion this episode, but I think the reason uh, the U.S. did not qualify for the, the latest World Cup was down to them shutting down this field in Barnegat. Yeah, only this field. This is the only field that had to do with us not making the World Cup. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, so let's let's get right into it. You know, uh, last week's episode, we talked about um, which what clubs to support, uh, what we like about every single club in the Premier League. Um and, uh, you know, that was that was because we were away on vacation, but we're back. And then, of course, next week we have an international break, so we're going to spice it up again. But, uh, you know, we always have good timings on the pod. Um, but we're starting today, uh, before we get to the top four race and the FA Cup, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about what the uh, UEFA Champions League quarterfinal setup looks like and how big it is for English clubs, considering that half of the quarterfinal field uh, come from the Premier League, so uh, this is this is huge, and it's it's definitely big considering uh, the the poor results that English clubs have had in recent years. Of course, Liverpool made it to the final last season, but uh, before that, teams have just struggled to to advance against the big clubs. Yeah, yeah, there was we had a little bit of a stretch. I mean, obviously, you look back and like oh eight oh nine. We had, you know, like that that sort of period was a very strong period. You had Chelsea win the Champions League in 2012. It was a United-Chelsea uh, Champions League four years before. Um, but then there was just, there was sort of a drought. Like, they didn't make it deep. No one really made deep runs. I think Chelsea made a semifinal once but lost to uh, Atletico. And that was really the, the deepest run for a while until, uh, until Liverpool's run last year and you look at it now now there's a there's a solid chance that we could get we're definitely going to get one team in the semifinal we might get two could even get three um which is is i think down to probably the the uh the managers that have come into the the league this pa- the past couple of years um like guardiola is over here now yeah there's like Pochettino has come up and really established himself as a great manager in the world. 
it's it's something that's good to see. Yeah, you know, last season Liverpool runners up, uh, Man City made the quarterfinals. The year before, uh, the furthest club in there was Leicester City. Uh, Tottenham did not make it out of their group, um, and both Arsenal and Manchester City only made it to the round of sixteen. Um, you know, two years prior in fourteen fifteen, the furthest was a round of sixteen appearance from Chelsea, Arsenal, and City. Um, so it's just been too many years that teams haven't been in the quarterfinals. Now, um, this marks three years in a row, or four years in a row that we've had teams reaching the quarterfinals. So, uh, in, the English teams are uh, really, really finally, you know, uh, getting back into it. Um, in a, in a competition that used to be dominated by English clubs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, um, there was even the point where it was getting, there was the discussion was being made about if, you know, down the line, England doesn't really prove themselves in this competition. You know, like there's, there's designated spots for, for Premier League teams. There's designated spots for, for different leagues in different countries. Uh, there was talk about maybe like, what if, they take away a spot because we're just underperforming so so much. Uh, obviously, it never got that drastic. Uh, and like I said, I think it's down to the managers, the quality of managers that they have in the, in the league now uh, is allowing them to really compete. And, you know, there's, there's some real contenders this year. And who are you most impressed with um, out of those four English clubs that uh, got to the quarterfinal who whose win did you expect the least um it has to be um manchester united not and not just down to the fact that they were they lost their first leg and they had the amazing comeback but i think coming into this competition i think the three favorites were probably well manchester city you had juventus you know maybe barcelona and psg like I think PSG and Juventus were my two powerhouses coming into it, and PSG yet again underperformed in the competition and didn't even make it to the quarterfinal because of the impressive work from Manchester United. Yeah, and that's that is three years in a row for PSG not making it that far. So um, Manchester United help helping to continue that streak, um, but they, I I would have to agree with you. Um, maybe giving an edge to Tottenham over United in that situation, uh, not because uh, their draw was harder, but because of the form, the form that they have been in in the league has been uh, very disappointing, but they are also going up against a Dortmund team going through their worst stretch of the season. So Tottenham, I'm not as much surprised at the fact that they got through but how they got through, not conceding a goal, winning both matches, um, that's that's very impressive to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially they didn't really make that many signings, or if any, they didn't really make any signings yeah. uh, this summer. So. No, no um, signings in the past two transfer windows for them. Yeah, and they've, they've sustained this sort of success, and, um, you know, they have a, they have a tall task with beating Manchester City, but it's certainly it's certainly not something that is impossible. 
I think uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Tottenham put up a good fight. It's a, it's an England versus England matchup. You know, they've had some good match, matches uh, throughout the years. So I wouldn't be all that surprised if they, if they uh, pull off an upset. Yeah, and you look at what Man City did, though. They go down 2-0 in the first leg against Schalke, and they end up winning the tie 10-2 on aggregate. They scored three, they won away, and then they win 7-0 at home. That's yeah, just, I mean, was, that's incredible. Yeah, it was a dominant a dominant City performance. Tottenham dominated Dortmund. United come back against uh, one of the favorites of the competition, and then you look at Liverpool, a team who was struggling in the league. They've lost their grip on first place uh, domestically, and they go up and they they handle Bayern. Yeah, and, you know, uh, seven seven. Goals for uh, City. I know you're, uh, Liverpool did get through, but real quick, seven goals in that home game for City. Six different goal scorers. Of course, Aguero um, is the one that got multiple goals. But uh, yeah, looking at Liverpool, they they were uh, incredible away to Bayern. You know, a nil-nil draw at Anfield, and you're thinking, okay, this is not going to be an easy task for Liverpool, but if you can get a, if they could have gotten a one, one, they're through two, one cool. They they're good. And then they, they just, uh, kept adding to it. So, um, huge for them to, uh, to get through. And, you know, you look at the draw, um, out of the English clubs, it's easiest for Liverpool. Um, I'd say toughest for United United going up against Barcelona is not going to be, uh, uh, an easy task. The first leg of that is at home, so uh, that'll be that'll be huge. Uh, Tottenham face Man City. So as we mentioned, the, the all English tie, and then of course the one without an English club in it is Ajax and Juventus. So moving on, <laughs> moving on, uh, we take a look at the race in the top four, um, and I kind of want to you know go a little bit into detail on recent form, both home and away, and the final eight games for each club. Now, as we mentioned on that on our first pod, it it seemed ridiculous to both of us that we're talking about Tottenham being in the top four race and not in the title race because it got to a point that everyone's saying, no, they're title race. This is that it's a it's a three horse race and um they have lost three out of their four matches, their uh, last four matches in the league. Um, the only time they didn't lose, it was a draw to a draw in the North London Derby against Arsenal. In that span, Man City have picked up twelve points, and uh, Liverpool have picked up ten. So uh, just one for Tottenham in the last four. Um, so I say let's let's start with looking at. Um, Tottenham's recent form first, and then what? what is ahead. So we go back to the first of those four games, and they lose 2-1 to Burnley at Turf Moor. And, uh, you know, this was a, a match that ended up uh, seeing Mauricio Pochettino receive a two-match uh, touchline ban, um, the first of which was served against, um, against Southampton. But... Spurs didn't get the job done, and they had Harry Kane back. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was we, the, yeah, we've been talk, 
talked about it. We talked about how we were surprised that we were even talking about how bringing Harry Kane back was what was hurting Spurs. Uh, they just they were on a good run. Harry Kane came back probably too early, and then this dip in form has come. Also, it doesn't help to not have your manager on the touchline, but it really fell apart for them. And now they're very much in a top four uh, race, especially with the form of United. And then you look at Arsenal have put together a good couple of results coming back in the Europa League and also beating Manchester United. Uh, it's not, it's not a slam dunk. It's not straightforward for Spurs. No, it's not. And you know, I, one of the most surprising uh, results in there is somehow not, the two results against the uh, the relegation candidates, but the 2-0 loss to Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea in poor form, but their poorest form has been away from home. And uh, the match took place at Stamford Bridge. And, you know, uh, a second-half goal within 15 minutes gives Chelsea the lead. And then that late own goal uh, stopped any sort of comeback uh, that Spurs could have hoped for. But... Um, Looking forward, Spurs don't have it very easily. They still have to play. Um, you know, Brighton, that date has not been confirmed. Um, they have to go away to Anfield. Then they have a home London derby against Crystal Palace, which will be at the new uh, stadium, um, finally opening. Then they have Huddersfield, which they should be able to handle, away to City which is what a way to city and Liverpool away to the top two um, is, is a tough task for Spurs. Another London Derby at home against West Ham. And then they finish the season away to Bournemouth and then home to Everton on the final day. Yeah. I mean, there are, those are some big games. They're going to have to uh, get a couple draws against, I mean, our hope at least get draw or maybe go for the win against these these bigger sides. But, um, but like I said, even even the games against the lower teams are going to be tough because you have some London derbies in there. So uh, it'll be it'll be tough. It's not going to be as straightforward as say their Huddersfield match will be when you're playing against a, a rival. It's going to be a lot harder. Yeah, that the fact that they do have two London derbies. I know they're at home, but two London derbies at home two matches away to the top two um it's gonna be a a tough a tough go now recent form for arsenal in their last four um they have won three matches and that one draw of course the same one as spurs in that north london derby but uh two nil away to southampton five one or uh, two nil home against southampton uh five one at home against bournemouth that draw in the North London Derby, and then a massive 2-0 win against Manchester United at the Emirates uh, last weekend. Yeah. Um, things are things are starting to look up for them. And they have, right now, it's, it's sort of, it's theirs to lose. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see where that goes, because I think it's... It, it's more than it's more than just trying to hold on to that top four spot with the Spurs struggling. It's about also seeing if you can move up. Uh, obviously, United have been galvanized by their managerial change, and that was a huge result for Arsenal to beat them. But um, they are by no means uh, safe. I mean, if you look at it, if 
I know Chelsea have been in poor form. If Chelsea were to get um, a better result against the past two games against Everton and Wolves, Chelsea are in are sitting in uh, fourth spot. So everything is super tight. And looking at Arsenal's remaining fixtures, still date to be confirmed away to Wolves. No, no uh, easy match there. Uh, Wolves sitting in seventh, of course, and as we'll get to later in the FA Cup semifinal. But Arsenal's remaining home matches are against Newcastle, Crystal Palace, and Brighton. And away, they still have to face Everton, Watford, Leicester, and Burnley. And, of course, that uh, game against Wolves. So, three home, five... Yeah, three home, five away. They're away form... Uh, recently a, a little bit better in the league um, than has been than, than it was earlier in the season, but uh, Arsenal's away form overall in the season worries me about this. You know, five matches away. You know, the the three at home. You expect them to beat Newcastle. You ex- you would expect them to beat uh, Palace, but once again, as we mentioned with Spurs, it's a London derby. Um, and then home against Brighton uh, in the second-to-last match of the season, you'd think they'd win. But um, looking at the last day, if they do not have a top-four spot sealed, they have to go to away to Burnley, and Burnley, uh, Burnley and Arsenal matches over recent years have been tough, and that could be a match where Burnley is fighting still to stay in the league. So that I think that's where it gets tricky, but... Um, Besides that, I'd say away to Watford, um, I would be most worried for Arsenal. Um, they they just have been good. they've been very good this season. Watford, um, even you know they they got rid of Marco Silva, and they're they're playing well because of it. Yeah, I mean, well, those two W's, Watford, Watford and Wolves, are going to be are going to be tough games. And also, I mean, you bring up that Burnley game. I, I'm. <sighs> I am very excited for the end of the season. I think it's going to be because I, I mean, every now and then, like we're at the last game of the season, and all we're thinking about is okay, um, maybe let's we'll see who's going down because top four is decided already. The champions have already been crowned. Whereas this year, you have that that juicy uh, prospect of having a, a Burnley Arsenal game where everything is still a play for. And like you said, their games have always been close. Arsenal like broken Burnley's hearts time and time again. It's going to be an exciting end of the season, especially from in that that Arsenal uh, side. Moving on to Manchester United um, and their recent league results. Um, like we said, they lost to Arsenal at the Emirates. Uh, they just scraped by Southampton. That was a thrilling match, uh, 3-2. They beat Crystal Palace away from home, 3-1, and a nil-nil draw with Liverpool at Old Trafford um, rounds out their last four. Um, so United, Manchester United are back and just showing how tough it's been for them. They sit in fifth place, two points behind Arsenal off the top four. And swing that back. They could have been, uh, what is it, four points ahead had they won at the Emirates? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it seems 
that the uh, the Ali Gunnar Solskjaer reign is sort of it's losing that sort of energy that you get when you hire a new manager and you get lots of momentum. I think they're coming down a little bit, coming down to earth, but I think they're still they're still a very dangerous team. I think I mean they're my pick to to definitely be one of the teams that sneaks into that top four, whether it's third or fourth, uh, as the season goes on. Um, but yeah, I, I, like it's they've been humbled a little bit. We'll see how it goes. Plus, they also have the Champions League to worry about. That they do, and uh, their remaining league matches at home at Old Trafford, Watford, West Ham, Manchester City, Chelsea, and Cardiff. Um, away from home, they still have to face Wolves, Everton, and Huddersfield. So they do have tough matches with Man City and Chelsea. Um, and the Manchester Derby is a midweek match. And then that the following weekend, four days later, they do play Chelsea. Chelsea away from home, I'm not all that confident in. But um, that Manchester Derby could mean trouble. But it's going to be a much better match than... Uh, than we would have expected it to be if Jose Mourinho was still in charge. Um, once again, these the big teams are having to go up against uh, the Ws of Watford and Wolves, plus United get the extra with West Ham. But finishing the season again away to Huddersfield and then home to Cardiff, they, they will be able to uh, survive a couple drop points. If they, I would say if they take... They need to take four points away in that in that uh, week against City and Chelsea, but um, they'll have those final two matches to hopefully recover against for them. Yeah, it looks they just need to get themselves in a good position going into those final two games uh, because Huddersfield, I think, well at that point will have already been down. Uh, and then Cardiff, Cardiff might be ha- might have something to be playing for in that game. But again, it's going to be a, a road game at Old Trafford. Uh, United just have to hope they get through those tough fixtures, and then they have two games where they're pretty much guaranteed almost six points. Uh, they get themselves in a good position before those final two games. They should they should be feeling very good. Now on to Chelsea in sixth place. They are. Three points off the top four, no longer with a game in hand. Um, and they, they, their most recent match is a two nil loss away to uh, to Everton. They had a one one draw at home, and that easily could have been a loss. They were saved at the end by Eden Hazard. Um, and they did beat Fulham away two one, but they also lost at home. Or no, they won at home. Sorry, uh, against Spurs. So it's that that ninety second minute goal against Wolves from Hazard is massive because they could they could be four points off the top four, meaning they can't you know with a win and a uh, a poor result elsewhere, they still wouldn't have been able to get into the top four like they could now. But I want to talk mostly about Chelsea's away form and um, in their last five away games. They've lost 2-0 to Arsenal, 4-0 to Bournemouth, 6-0 to Chelsea. Uh, 6-0 to Chelsea? Oh, yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea lost 6-0 so, to Chelsea. So they, did they not beat so themselves? The <laughs> yeah. 6-0 uh, to City. Sorry. Uh, the 
win against Fulham, who are in 19th, and a 2-0 loss to Everton. So three points in five matches outscored 15-2. to Yeah. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to talk about this, do we? Uh, no, we absolutely do. Uh, 15 goals conceded against those clubs. Everton haven't beaten a big six team in two years. Um, but I guess the timing was perfect for them. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially the Everton game, it was it was a Chelsea special. It's what they've done all season. They've dominated possession, dominated first ha- in the first half, have a couple chances, nothing too strong, don't convert on them, and then they concede within like 10 minutes of the second half and they go on to lose. It, they are a frustrating team to watch because they pass you into submission, do nothing about it, and then uh, end up losing. Um, Wolves, the Wolves game was a little bit different. Wolves, I mean, Wolves are have been impressive this year, especially as the season's got on. Like you said, they're in a uh, FA Cup semifinal. They're in seventh place right now, and they they went to Chelsea and drew, and it felt like it almost felt like a loss to them because they played incredibly well. Uh, yeah, I mean. Chelsea occasionally put on those strong performances like the 2-0 victory over uh, over Spurs or even in that uh, League Cup final. They put on a, a good performance only to lose to the City, but then they put in these... They just lay an egg like they do against a team like Everton who has been struggling. Struggling hard. Um, so, it's it's... And I think the most incredible part about it, it's the their current away form reminds you of Arsenal's away form from last season. But in the midst of those away losses, the away thrashings, you have a 5-0 win against Huddersfield at home and a 2-0 win in that London derby against Spurs. It went, it literally, they lose 4-0 to Bournemouth, beat Huddersfield 5-0, and then lose 6-0 to City in a three-match span. That is almost unheard of. That's in a span of 11 days, those three results. They get dominated. For the mathematician who does the table and the goal differential. (laughs) They get dominated. Then they dominate. Then they get dominated again. And then they win a London Derby that no one expects them to win. So... it's, It's inexplicable. I have no idea how to explain the... I think they get comfortable... Because I think there was talk of them I mean, going into these Wolves and Everton games. There was talk of like, you know, uh, they were back. You know, they had those awful games. And there was talk of Sarri getting the sack. And then they put in a great League Cup final performance. They end up losing. But then they bounce back, beat Spurs. And, there's, and, and, you know, top four was there for them if they won two games. They won the last two games. They'd be in fourth place. They'd be in the top four. Um, they have a, a nice-looking path to uh, the Europa League final. So everything, it doesn't seem as bad because they had like Europa League games. They had a strong League Cup final performance. It was mixed in with some of these awful results. But when you look back at it, I mean, three points from five the past five away games, it's, it's not good enough. It's not cutting it. And... It's down to, I think it's down mostly, I mean, partly to the players, but also the manager not picking the right players. 
you yeah. look at you know you look at them coming off the Europa League game. So he played basically the lineup he played against Everton in the first leg. They won three nil at home, and then they go on the road, win five nil or four nil. So that team put in a better performance, and that's a team that has Ruben Loftus Cheek in it, uh, Cal Hudson Odoi, Olivier Giroud, and then you go back to the other team that it didn't play as well, and this is what happened. It's kind of mind-boggling with, you know, Maurizio Sarri still in charge at this point further than I expected him to be, um, but he's still three points within top four with eight matches to go, um, and it's very possible he helps them qualify for the Champions League. Now, if Chelsea, um, you know, out of, out of the four clubs that are fighting for top four, not just because they sit in six, but because they're up and down form and inconsistency, I see Chelsea as the least likely to get in there. But if they do finish in the top four, do they keep Maurizio Sarri in charge, even though that Sarri ball has not been something that these players have adapted well to? I think if he gets Champions League football, I think you have to keep him. The only problem is with it, with the, going with Chelsea, um, he hasn't been able to get that many players that fit into his style, and he's not going to be able to, considering they have this transfer the transfer ban coming up. So it's a, it's a very weird situation. Do you hold on to him, or do you say, you know what, we're not going to be able to buy any players. We're going to go and get a manager that is the uh, style is more adaptable or even just more suitable to the players that we already have. Because the problem with him is he does not adapt at all. So he can't adapt with his, his current squad. He can only hope to buy new players, which is impossible for him to do. Yeah, it's, it's the future of the club very much in doubt. Eden Hazard probably leaving um, wouldn't be at all shocked to see him playing for Real Madrid next season. Um, especially, you know, they just brought Zinedine Zidane back, so it's a more attractive move for him, but he could help revitalize that squad that was knocked out by Ajax, humiliated by Ajax. But um, a lot... <laughs> A lot to pay attention to. Um, we will focus more in the coming weeks on that relegation battle as well with uh, you know a team like Burnley only two points off, four losses in a row, but the teams below them not doing much to uh, put pressure on them. Um, but let's move on now to the FA Cup. The FA Cup quarterfinals took place this past weekend. We have our semifinals. Watford and Wolves. I got confused with my W's. Almost said West Ham. Watford and Wolves uh, will face off on April seventh, the Sunday, the Saturday of that weekend. It is Man City and Brighton. Now, a big thing for um, top four race uh, or for Champions League qualification and uh, Europa League qualification. Anyone in that top four race needs to be rooting for Man City to win the FA Cup because if any other side wins the FA Cup, the team who finishes in sixth place will have their season start on July 25th in uh, qualifying rounds for the Europa League. That 
that will cut preseason short. Players will not have as long of breaks as they need. Um, you would think at that stage it would be a lighter draw and they'd be they'd be able to get through it, but it's just not something that that will really put a dampen on the way that they start the league season too. So um, those teams that are vying for that spot, hope to not finish sixth. And if you do, hope that City win the FA Cup so that you don't have to be a part of that qualifying round. Yeah, and that just goes right back to what we were just talking about with Chelsea. Um, one of the things that's been down to them not being able to adapt to Sarri's type of play is he didn't really have a preseason. He came in very late to the preseason. Now imagine his preseason gets short, cut short for a second season in a row. It, it could be very interesting. Uh, but, I mean, it really does look like it's setting up for, for City to get the second trophy of the season and, you know, possibly setting up uh, a quadruple. Yeah, you know, by that by that point, they will already have uh, their their spot in the league confirmed. The FA Cup final will be um, played after the league is finished, but um, so it it could end up being their third trophy of the season. It could be the domestic treble, um, and for their sake, they'd be hoping that they would still have a Champions League final to look forward to. But um, we will see. Now, the the biggest shock of the weekend was Wolves beating Manchester United. A poor result for uh, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer's United squad. Yeah, and, and Wolves just continue to impress. They went to Chelsea, almost won a game there, and then followed it up by by knocking out uh, United. Uh, Raul Jimenez is like having quietly one of the best seasons at any forward in the league in England. Um, he's been an amazing signing for them. And, I mean... And Wolves, Wolves-Watford is going to be a really good game. I think I, I lean towards Wolves, but, I mean, Watford could easily make a final, and it, it'll be exciting to see. Yeah, and, um, you know, looking at the score 2-1, okay, they got it close, but Wolves were up 2-0. They scored, Jimenez scored in the 70th minute. Diogo uh, Jota scored in the 76th. Um, I mumbled through that one because I've heard that name pronounced a million different ways. And then Marcus Rashford... Uh, scores five minutes into stoppage time, so not really giving themselves a chance to get back. So that six-minute period where they conceded, uh, where United conceded twice, left them uh, out of the competition. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, we've been talking about this. I know, like last week, I said that we were talking about Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. This has a kind of feeling like, you know, a gust hitting comes in, they win the FA Cup for Chelsea, or. Um, Roberto Di Matteo came in for Chelsea, took over, and won the Champions League. This kind of feels like that type of thing where it's setting up for him to come in and, like, out of nowhere, win a trophy. And, you know, you had, like, FA Cup was setting up nicely for them, too. And I think this was very unexpected. So they, I mean, I think they'd rather be where they are in the Champions League. Um, but you see them, they come back, beat PSG, and then lose to Wolves and get knocked out of the, the other competition. So um, that was probably their best chance for a trophy, and uh, it's a shame to see them knocked out. Yeah, and um, one of the big things in this round, I'm incredibly impressed with uh, Manchester City's comeback. Now, going up against Swansea City, who they should have beaten comfortably, um, 
City are down 2-0 within a half hour. A penalty um, in the 20th minute and then another goal in the 29th. So, you know, at halftime, 2-0. Bernardo Silva gets a goal back in the 69th, makes it 2-1. Then you have an own goal in the 78th, and then who else but Sergio Aguero in the 88th minute to win the game. Um, This is a match that City put nine shots on target, uh, took a total of 22. They had 69% of the possession. Um, They had 640 passes, more than double uh, what Swansea put together. Um, pass accuracy much better, more red card or uh, yeah, more red cards. Why say I got to stop, uh, got to stop reading other words when I'm trying to get a different thought out. Uh, plenty of more corners, 13 corners to Swansea's one. So statistically it's a match that that they should have won, but probably by more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's very impressive to see. I mean, they can win in any way. They can, they beat, like recently they beat Bournemouth 1 0, and it was probably the most dominated 1 0 ever. And then you have, you know, they can dismantle a team like Chelsea 6 0, or they can go down 2 0, and it doesn't matter because they're so explosive. And it, it, what's so crazy about this team is last year was probably more impressive in the league. It's been tighter this year, there's been more challengers for the title this year, yet they can still end up winning four trophies and that would make this season far more successful than last season yeah um you know last season 100 points you're like oh no they can't top it but if they do win if they do get a domestic treble if they do win the champions league to add to that and make it the quadruple um this team will never be forgotten and i know that vincent company has said we don't need to win the league a second year in a row to uh to really be considered one of the best teams in English football history uh, because of their 100 points. But uh, why not go for it? Why, why not win a quadruple the, the following year to follow that up in a year that Liverpool has put much more pressure on them uh, than United did last season, uh, finishing in second? So have all left to do for City still. Uh, they're only in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. They're only in the semifinal. They're two points back in the league but with a game in hand so um another favorable draw in the in the uh fa cup you have to think brighton is the the one team that you probably want to get out of those three you prefer at least i mean i think you pick city against any team but brighton is definitely the more favorable draw and of course after last week most of our listeners might not want to hear it because they're all brighton fans now (laughs) but i mean city have a very easy path to the, the FA Cup final. Yeah, they're all Brighton fans because of their names, but uh, their their new team uh, has a tough draw. And it they did not beat Millwall convincingly. Uh, they came back and then ended up winning on penalties. Um, but uh, it, it they, they have the toughest task, I would agree with you there, at Wembley against City. Um, and like we said, those matches taking place on April 6th and 7th. So uh, we'll definitely be discussing those as we go forward. But everyone knows now it's time to get to our delusion of the week. And for the topic, we are going back to the Champions League. Two weeks in a row that the delusion um, is focused on an English team in the Champions League. And mine is the 
Spurs-Man City matchup will see the London club prevail and get to the semifinal. I am picking Spurs to beat Manchester City. So all of that stuff we talked about, about four trophies, not happening. Spurs will get through. Um, there's there's so much to do for uh, for Manchester City in the league. They they have to they have to focus on that. I know that it's a it's Champions League or bust for City, so they would prefer to win the Champions League. But you know when you're getting when you're getting late in the season and you have to pick between which competition you want to win it becomes a, a tricky situation i know they have great depth but uh i see spurs getting through and to add a little bit to it it won't be because of an away goal when they will score more goals over the two matches okay i was yeah i was gonna ask how uh how where who's playing first at home at least um let me double check on that for you it is a home match for Tottenham at their new stadium. So they will be playing at the their new stadium in the okay. first leg and then away at the Etihad in the second leg. So you're expecting a, a solid performance in that home tie and then they'll do enough to keep that advantage in the, in the return leg. Yes, you know, for me, the, the Etihad is not enough of a fortress. Um, you know, you hear still sometimes hear their fans whistling at the Champions League anthem um, because of, you know, financial fair play rules and investigations, which they're going through them more uh, more so now than ever. And um, I think Tottenham getting in the new stadium, I don't think it'll be a, a thing where they're unsettled like it was when they first moved to Wembley last year. Um, I think that they have a great opportunity to... Uh, Chris in the new stadium with a massive win over Man City. Yeah. Now, who do they face if they if they win? Um, the semifinal, they would go up against. Um, oh, where's the bracket? Why you got to put me put me on blast here? I I I mean I don't know. It's your delusion. I want to see what you got <laughs> for me. Um, let me. Take a look at the Champions League semifinal, but um, I I know that we're still able to get a uh, a Messi Ronaldo final, which everyone's been been craving recently. Um, so they they will it'll be the winner of Ajax and Juventus. So if Tottenham win, they'll either have to face Ajax, who if they get through Juventus, then it's getting through the team that just lost Ronaldo, and then Ronaldo. Um, more likely, they would have to face Juventus, though. Yeah, okay. Do you think, now, uh, where does this end? Where does this all end for Spurs? Do you have them making it to the final, or do you think they're just going to make a semifinal and then losing, most likely, to Juventus? Um, I would I would see them going out against Juventus, but if they do make it through to the semifinal and Ajax get there, um, they they have a, a good chance at making that final. I think I mean it's a, it's an interesting it's a very interesting Spurs team and it has been for years for the past couple of years they've always thrived in situations where people don't expect anything from them when people do expect anything from them that's when they start to uh, 
fall short. So I think they're in a pretty good situation going up against a Man City team that people don't expect them to beat. I think that will play into their hands quite nicely. Now, your delusion last week was that a English team not named Man City uh, would win the Champions League. You picked Ali Gunnar Solskjaer's uh, United to uh, to go all the way and lift that uh, coveted trophy. Are you sticking with that, or uh, who do you see as the favorite um, left in the competition? It, it hasn't aged well. I will say that. My delusion has not aged well. Because now we have you know perennial favorites, Juventus, with a big comeback win against Atletico. So they look impressive. They look destined to make it to the final and possibly win it. Uh, also, United have dipped a little bit in form, losing to Wolves and to Arsenal, and now they have to go up against uh, Messi and Barcelona. So, that I mean, it couldn't have aged... I don't think it could have aged any worse. No, it really couldn't have. Um, my favorites... My favorite is, is probably Juventus. And, but, I mean, Liverpool... I don't know. I, so there was something about Liverpool... They impressed me. They have not been in good form, and they come out and they beat Bayern 3-1 in Germany. They are they are a team that no one wants to face. They are a very scary team in this competition, but I'll lean towards Juventus. I think Ronaldo is, uh, is gunning for that crown yet again. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where I stand on it. Um, so, well, that's, that's been uh, episode three. Our third episode of Footy You Do, we're getting the hang of this, and we have not taken any hiatuses, which is very nice. Weird for us. We're on, yeah, we're, we're on, I mean, especially when you and Sal were doing it. It was, <laughs> it was a hiatus every week. But uh, that has been Footy Do, a delusional soccer podcast. Footy You Do, a delusion shared by two brothers in close association, which was true this past week. But again, we're back to phone calls and long-distance relationship. Tune in next time.